재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Inviting an array of cultural luminaries to share and discuss books that have inspired and moved them Talk it up Welcome to Talk It Up. Joining us today are new guests Esther O oh and John Valentine. Esther studied East Asian language and culture with an emphasis in Korean literature. Originally from California, she is currently a PR consultant, writer, and radio personality. Welcome to the show, Esther. Thank you for having me. John has been broadcasting, teaching, and doing business in Korea continuously since 1986. Father of two grown kids, he's an active songwriter and performing musician. Welcome to the show, John. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So our Talk It Up title for this week is Let's Explore Diabetes with Owls by Mm. David Sedaris, which was published here in Korea last year under the title 꼼짝도 못하고 서 있기. So whose pick was it this week? It was actually my pick. Uh Um, I'm a huge fan of David Sedaris for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, I found out about him. I would say about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. my friend recommended me uh, to to his book. It was the first one that I read. I think it was Naked. Mm-hmm. That was one of his most popular books. Right, right. And then he actually published a number of other books like uh, When You Are Engulfed in Flames uh-huh. or Dress Your Family in Cordu- Corduroy and Denim. So a lot right. of titles that really doesn't make any, they don't make much sense. Uh-huh. Um, and even when you read the book, you're like, okay, why did this guy name these books these, and with these certain titles. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a very quirky, quirky author, and he's incredibly funny. Um, I, if you read one book, I'm pretty sure you'll read all of it. Mm-hmm. And also, the, the funny thing about his books is that the the cover just grabs you. He comes up with, with the most um, weird covers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Weird yeah. is a good word. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, Let's talk about the title before we get into the book. What is the the title is um Let's Explore Diabetes with Owls. What is the connection between diabetes and owls? It is very unusual. As Esther said, sometimes his titles might not make any sense at all. Uh-huh. Um, in, in his stories, he does talk about owls. Uh, the, the explanation that I learned is that once at a book signing, a fan asked Mr. Sedaris to sign a book in a very particular way. Uh-huh. Evidently, the, the expression he wanted was, explore your inner soul. Well, oh, my. Da- okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and David said, no, I'm not going to sign the way you want me to. Uh-huh. I'll sign what I want. Uh-huh. And so he put a little uh-huh. bit of nonsense and silliness and something uh-huh. that really doesn't make much sense. Okay. And that's where we get, let's explore diabetes. Instead of your inner, inner soul, explore diabetes with owls. Wait, is, was that the actual inscription that he went with? He want, I, I believe so, yeah. He wanted to. Oh, wow. Yeah, he just okay. wanted to make some nonsense and silly uh, inscription. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Would you say that, uh, since you're a big fan of Sedaris, Esther, um, would you say that's pretty typical of his sense of humor? It is quite typical. I mean, if you listen to him talk, uh-huh. he pretty much writes like how he talks. He okay. has this incredibly, um, an odd voice, uh-huh. <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit. It's very sing-songy. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember him... You mean like even literally? 
Yeah, yeah literally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is. And <laughs> I remember him uh, writing several times in his books that people mistake him. They call him Mrs. Sedaris on the phone. Oh, yeah, voice, I remember that. Right, yeah, his voice yeah. is so different. It's uh-huh. so unique. Right. Um, but he has, you know, the way that he talks, it's all these non sequiturs. And you can really uh, see that in his book. He, he kind of jumps from topic to topic, sometimes seamlessly, sometimes quite abruptly. Uh-huh. But I think his personality definitely shows through his books. Right, right. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about Davis Sedaris' background. What do you have for us? Well, he is a gay American writer and also a radio contributor. He was born in New York, but grew up mostly in North Carolina. And mm-hmm. he was working a series of odd jobs in Chicago and New York City uh, before he was discovered in a Chicago club by radio host Ira Glass. And oh. you can also read from his book, but he has this obsession with writing in his diary every single day. Uh-huh. And during this, uh, in the club, he was reading a diary he had kept since 19. 19- 77. Okay. And I'm, I'm assuming that he probably wrote about his family and uh-huh. how crazy they are. Right, right. And he got picked up and he started doing a lot of radio gigs and things like that. And he began writing essays for The New Yorker and Esquire. And then that's when he published his most well-known books. Mm-hmm. And a lot of his humor is very self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really funny because he touches a lot upon a lot about his, his family, his relationship that he has with his father as well as his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and of, although it is de- self-deprecating, def- self uh, he does it in such a, a light, um, a gr- all, almost, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it doesn't feel heavy. Yeah, it doesn't really uh-huh. feel heavy, even right. though the subject that he's dealing with, is sometimes it's quite depressing. Uh-huh. Um, he does it in a way that's very jovial and you can just laugh about it. Mm-hmm. Right. I felt that way too. It's like he's making fun of bad situations. Uh-huh. He explains a very terrible situation, but in a funny way. Right, right. So normally you might not laugh at a situation like that, mm-hmm. but the way he explains it, mm-hmm. it is funny. Right, right. So it makes you laugh even though it might be a little inappropriate but yeah, I think maybe that's what he's going for what exactly. do you think exactly yeah it's kind of like you're saying oh no I don't believe it uh-huh. and then you laugh uh-huh okay <laughs> that sounds great um so let's um get a brief description of Sedaris's uh, worldview that you have gleaned from the essay collection what would you say about um Sedaris's um, point of view John well, again, as Esther mentioned, he does talk a lot about his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there are, he, uh, he's one of six, so he has five brothers and sisters, and he's one of the older ones. I believe he's uh, the second. Okay. Uh, he has a great relationship with especially one of his sisters. Uh, he talks about his youngest brother, or the youngest child in the family, who's basically kind of crazy and a troublemaker uh-huh. and, and uh-huh. a very kind of a dirty mouth kind of a guy. Right, right. So he does talk about a lot of different members of his family, and he didn't really have a very kind or, or happy, loving relationship with his father. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of his expressions, a lot of his opinions come from that, maybe the sadness of not having a good relationship with his father. I got the feeling that he re- really strongly regrets not having that relationship. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about the um, the aggression or exaggeration in Sedaris's voice that you have noticed? Well, sure. Um, for example, uh, there was a, a story that comes to mind now. Uh, he was living in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. And and other people did not know that he was American. 
and mm-hmm. spoke perfect English, of course. Right. And they were speaking in English about him. Uh-huh. And he was just listening. Oh, no. What were they saying? Well, they were saying this dirty little guy. And uh-huh. they were saying very negative things about him. Okay. But he was just listening. Mm-hmm. And in the story that he explains, he's talking about his negative attitude and his anger and hatred for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he kept his mouth shut because he just wanted to hear how far they would go. Uh-huh. So it's interesting to see that he had the self-control mm-hmm. to keep quiet. But he was really quite upset about the things they were saying. Right, right. He has an angry side to him. (laughs) Right, right. Has that ever happened to either of you? Uh, I think people see me and they automatically think that I speak English quite well. Okay. I have blue eyes and blonde hair. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) no, it hasn't happened to me. Right, right. What about you, Esther? It's happened to me quite a bit. Uh-huh. Um, I've gotten that quite a bit with people. Uh-huh. Um, and when with people I, talking about you, thinking that you, you don't understand what they're saying? Right, right. right whether right. it's Korean or whether it's in English. Oh, okay. And when I do uh, speak in English, they're like, wow, you know, where did you come from? Your English is quite good. And then I'm like, oh, I came from my mother's womb. Uh, I don't know right, where right. else where I would come from. But yeah, right, right. a lot of his stories I actually can... Um, relate to on a personal level Mm -hmm. his quirkiness um, his weird family and things like that I can definitely relate to and that's I think that's why um, I'm so attached to this specific writer Mm -hmm. and I mean he is often in foreign countries I think he lived in uh, in France and uh, the UK and the US Mm -hmm. and uh, every time he goes to a new place like he has all this perspective on on the place and the people there and of course um as people who have been foreigners in foreign mm. countries you know, or currently foreigners in foreign countries or feeling like a foreigner in your own country, you're able to relate to that really well. I did think of something suddenly. Uh, quite a few years ago, during the winter, I was involved in a car accident. Uh-huh. I do speak Korean. Right. And the, the driver of the other car and I, we didn't speak to each other at all. The mm-hmm. police came and we all went to the police station. Mm-hmm. And the other driver spoke first. And he started to explain something that was not true at all. Mm -hmm. He assumed that you did not speak. Yeah, he thought I didn't understand anything. (laughs) Uh He told the police it was all this guy's fault. And and then I I started to speak Korean and everyone was quite shocked. And I Uh told the truth. And then the, the other driver said... Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what happened. Uh-huh. Oh. So it worked out to my, to my benefit, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, never assume mm. based on people's appearances sure. what languages they speak or don't speak. Well, now let's get into the book. So, Esther, you mentioned that you have read other collections mm-hmm. by Sedaris. Like, how would you say it was different from his previous collections? Um, well, compared to the previous book, I think this one, it doesn't have as many personal stories revolving around his family and his childhood. Mm-hmm. If, if this was your first book, you might think that he does touch upon, upon his family quite a bit. But compared to uh, his earlier works, like... Mm-hmm. He's going easy on them. Yeah, yeah. he is. Um, he talks more about his relationship with his boyfriend, Hugh. Mm-hmm. And um, his his quirkiness and his, his... He talks a lot about his obsessions, you know, things that upset mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And... And his writing style, in terms of his writing style, I think it's quite similar um, from before. But I think definitely there is more of this aggression that comes out Mm -hmm. um, and his frustrations with people and Mm -hmm. uh, things that 
that really make him mad. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of uh, Sedaris's obsessions, he's obsessed with the strangest things, <laughs> right? Can, John, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I think he does make some sort of a confession. He says, you know, I'm into things that you would not expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, even some of the things that interest him, he thinks his boyfriend, Hugh, would not even believe it. Uh-huh. Uh, for example, there's a story where he spends some time in a taxidermy shop looking for a stuffed owl. Right. Uh, and while he's in that shop, the owner, for some unknown reason begins to show him a lot of very strange things uh-huh. including a human arm uh, including a girl's human head oh. that was several hundred years old oh, okay. and normally when you read this you would think oh my goodness this is so strange oh terrible uh-huh. but he said he found it very interesting mm-hmm. and you have a quote from Sedaris on um, from, from the collection on what he feels about his attraction to strange things Yes, Sedaris says, a person doesn't consciously choose what he focuses on. Those things choose you. So he's basically saying that he's obsessed with the things that he's obsessed with because it has chosen, they have chosen yeah. him. Yeah, it's not his fault, he says. It's uh-huh. maybe karma or destiny or human nature has chosen the things that he's interested in. Mm-hmm. And you have another uh, excerpt or a quote from him from the collection. Can you share that with us? Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, yes, uh, my superficiality, my juvenile fascination with the abnormal, my willingness to accept and sometimes even celebrate evil he's describing his own character there mm-hmm. so how does that come through in the stories that he tells can you give us any examples well again yeah as he talks about different situations that you might think are quite negative or aggressive or terrible uh-huh. he takes joy in talking about them he he, ex- he uses a lot of flowery language and he explains them quite well and uh, as Esther said, he does have a sing-songy type of voice too. Uh-huh. He's a small man and he mm-hmm. has a high-pitched voice. So when he's explaining these things, the story itself might be terrible, but his mm-hmm. voice sounds rather pleasing and, and uh-huh. interesting. So it's a very interesting combination. Right, and it gets under your skin and you think that you're <laughs> you're hearing this very pleasant tale and it's about like his visit to the morgue yeah. or, or something like that. And then, Very interesting. Yes, yes, yes. Well, Esther, you have also brought in an excerpt. Can you tell us about the excerpt and where it's from? Well, so this excerpt, it's actually quite long, but mm-hmm. it's a monologue from the story called I Break for Traditional Marriage. Okay. And it's <laughs> not from his perspective. It's from uh, the perspective of a straight man that is so enraged by New York State's legalizing gay marriage that he starts killing his entire family. <laughs> oh, wow. I know it sounds very morbid <laughs> and, uh-huh. and dark, but um, uh, so I'll basically read a short excerpt from this, this story. Okay. While driving to First Federal, I listened to the radio, an all-talk program I'm partial to where the callers were just as riled up as I was. When I tuned in, Sherry was on the line. If the gays can stand in a church of God and exchange vows, who's to say my husband can't divorce me and marry a five-year-old, she said, or a newborn baby, heaven forbid. I'm not saying he's into that, but I guess if he was, there'd be nothing stopping him now. The next caller identified himself as Stavarino. I remember as a boy, we had this joke, he said. Your buddy might say, I love this pepperoni pizza. And you'd say, why don't you marry it then? At the time, it was just a saying, but I guess now you really could tie the knot with the pizza, couldn't you? I mean, if the guy who cuts my mother's hair is free to wed his little gay boyfriend, why can't I marry a slab of flattened out dough with cheese and dried sausage on it? The host of the show is a guy named Jimbo Barnes, and on pretty much everything, we see eye to eye. 
There's no reason I can think of why you couldn't marry a pizza, he said. Heck, you could probably even marry a mini pizza, one of those ones made from an English muffin if you feel like it. Steverino said that he didn't really like English muffins, and Jimbo said that that was just an example. Bite-sized pizza or 16-incher, whatever floats your boat is what the activist state legislatures are saying. This was something I'd never thought of. Marrying an object, my refrigerator, say, or maybe the riding mower I sometimes borrowed from my neighbor, Pete Baker. It's a John Deere X304, top of the line with automatic transmission, cruise control, and four-wheel steering. Maybe I could just borrow it again, and when he asked me to return it, I'd tell him we'd eloped, that the mower was my new wife, and until such time as we divorced, it was living with me. Of course, by then, they'd have probably closed the loopholes, taking away anything that might benefit traditional heterosexuals, especially white ones and especially, especially white males. This is something Jimbo Barnes addresses quite often. An endangered species, he calls us, no matter that we made this country what it is today. Thinking about this got me so mad that I missed my turnoff for the bank. This meant taking a side street where I fell behind a school bus of all things. Okay, so the narrator of this story is in a <laughs> is in a very frustrating um, situation. He's very frustrated, mm-hmm. um, needless to say. But uh, what was your reaction to the excerpts, John? Well, I know that these days times are changing and people have different concepts of what is acceptable in society. Perhaps in the past, in history, uh, people were more conservative. And these days, we like to stretch the boundaries. We like to test ourselves and to see what is really possible. And as we heard in Esther's choice here of this excerpt, really, would you marry a pizza or would you marry a mannequin? Would you choose to have a relationship with a pencil? Are there any rules at all anymore? Mm-hmm. Well, he is being very ridiculous here. I have to mm. say, uh, my favorite part of the excerpt was um, when he goes into a a detailed description of the John Deere X three hundred four. He's mm-hmm. like, it's top of the line with automatic transmission, <laughs> cruise control, and four wheel steering. Sounds attractive. Uh-huh, very attractive. <laughs> so, what was your reaction to the excerpt, Esther? Uh, you know, I actually thought this was quite relevant to the times right now, yeah, especially yeah. what's going on in the States. Uh-huh. I, f- I feel like maybe it was something that Mike Pence could have written or, or somebody like that. Uh-huh. I really wouldn't be surprised, but he really pokes fun at, at people who get professionally angry for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those people where, where there's something controversial and immediately they're just enraged and their whole life just stops. And, uh, mm-hmm. he really has fun with people like that. Right. Um, so, I mean, there are, are obviously these political undertones throughout the entire book and mm-hmm. also in his previous work. But this one definitely, I think, is a clear example of, of him showing his, um, of, of his beliefs, mm-hmm. but in a very fun, um, although aggressive way. Uh-huh. Right, right. So, did you guys identify with his views on the various topics that come up? The, the one that we mentioned earlier was uh, living in foreign countries and his... Um, encounter with foreign culture well yes of course um there are even though i've been in korea for many years sometimes i'm still surprised by some things that happen Mm -hmm. i feel very comfortable i never feel threatened i i got the sense from some of his writings that he's sometimes uncomfortable or he doesn't appreciate some things uh, that are done in foreign cultures Um, he speaks of people in france in particular 
or even in Scotland, who are kind of dirty. They throw trash out of the windows of their cars as, uh-huh. they, as they drive around. Uh-huh. So he took it upon himself to Start go around. Start picking up yeah. trash. Yeah, just that's, that's an obsession of his, actually. Yeah, cleaning right. up. Uh-huh. So that was, I think that was his way of saying, you know, I don't like the way things are done here, but I'm going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Esther? Um, well, I think it's important um, when you are in a foreign country that you really have to be very sensitive to the cultural context. Um, although, let's say with food, um, you know, you have people coming to Korea who are, you know, they're kind of squirmish about a lot of things that Koreans eat and they're immediately uh, right, like, right. oh, that's so disgusting, you uh-huh. know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and David Sedaris, he does do that. Um, and of course, there are times when I, 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 can't help it, but I tend to do that when I go to a completely foreign country. Uh-huh. Um, but in that aspect, I can relate to him. But at the same time, um, especially when he talks about China, mm-hmm. he compares Japan and China. Um, and I don't really think he takes into consideration all the, the, the cultural context of, right. of people in China. But mm-hmm. I think he is well aware of that. It's mm-hmm. just, again, it's his style. Mm-hmm. Of, He's just being ridiculous. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. And what did you guys think of the way he deals with um, hate directed at him as a, as a gay man? You know, I, I did read several stories where he deals with that. And I think that he's pretty much confident in himself. So although he recognizes that people are discriminatory or prejudiced towards him and others, he I don't think it bothers him all that much. He seemed to handle it pretty well. Mm-hmm. He's what? not shy about talking about it, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. What's your take on it, Esther? Uh, I agree. You know, I think he is in a sense comfortable uh, with who he is as a gay man, but also he is very uh, self-conscious of not just him as as a gay man, but also even just his his body language and things like that. He makes sure to uh, pay attention to that, especially depending on the audience. I think he's able to kind of shift himself and shift his personality according to, you know, if a person seems very conservative or mm-hmm. if a person seems very liberal. But right, overall, right. Um, I think he, he himself... As um, as a gay man, like I, I yeah I agree. Like he seems very comfortable in his own skin. Mm-hmm. In his writings too, he very often mentions his relationships with Hugh or even past other relationships with men. So he's again he's not shy at all about talking about his personal life. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the great things about uh, Sedaris's voice in the field is that he adds a certain element of levity to what can be a very difficult, um, heavy conversation. I think. Um, Especially in this day and age, we need, we all need a little bit of humor and levity to get us through these difficult times. Well, the title of the book, once again, is Let's Explore Diabetes with Owls by David Sedaris. And the Korean title is 꼼짝도 못하고 서있기. So definitely check it out. Thank you, John. Thank you, Esther, for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up next is the second hour of the bookend. But first, here's fun. Anything could happen.